is up, everyone? I am Dr. Ray Gorman of Engage Movement, joined here by Andrew Frezza of Fit Town Jupiter and Drew Gurton of Pendulum Fitness. Uh, Andrew's out of West Palm Beach, or is it just Palm Beach? Uh, Palm Beach County, Jupiter is the Jupiter the is, is the city, got it. Yeah. And Drew is out of Pasadena, and I'm currently in Southern California. Um, so today... The three of us were kind of looking to get together and we've been having some individual side conversations about personal training and coaching and what are kind of the problems that gym owners are experiencing with retaining coaches. What are some of the things that I'm consulting co coaches that I work with on? What are some of the rate limiters to progression of you know, making more money in a gym? What are some things that are causing coaches to leave? What are some things that are causing coaches to stay? So I think that you guys um, have been a really cool part of my journey and have a lot of respect for both of you. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. So, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I think I think the best way to start this conversation is kind of the question that I posed to both of you. How come me as a physical therapist can walk into a, a gym facility, express all this value and say, I would like to set up my shop within your gym. I would like to actually pitch that having me there is a benefit to you because I'm going to make sure that I can help keep your members healthy so that they can keep their membership and we can talk about extending the lifetime value of your clients. How is that process any different for a coach or personal trainer? I think it can and it can't be. Um, so to, to kind of address the first thing, um, you're making the assumption that my answer to you saying you would want to work out of our facility would be yes, and, mm -hmm. um, and it would not be my initial answer. Um, we are in a situation where we actually have a physical therapist that works out of our gym. We have an upstairs area, and um, he works out of the gym on average like two to three days a week. He has a full-time job at Exos as well. Um, he also happens to be a member of our 6 a.m. class and was a member of the 6 a.m. class for over a year prior to this relationship even starting. So I would say first and foremost, I think the good gym owners are only saying yes, whether it's a, a, a physical therapist or a personal trainer, they're only saying yes to that situation if there's already a clear shared values and shared um, brand side of things. So I, I would start there that there should be some, some pushback to just saying yes to that. But yeah, you asking this question, I want to let Drew speak, really got me thinking about how we can evolve pay structures as we get further down the line with a coach. And we just evolved our personal trainer structure. And this could be what you're bringing up could provide a third evolution of it that I want to kind of throw out there for you guys to give me some feedback on. Absolutely. I, I, I'm excited about the pay structure part. We had a, we, we have a chiropractor, ART um, guy, doc uh, here in our facility that he rents space from us. And this is part of the reason why Ray and I have had these, mm -hmm. these lengthy discussions about this. 
But to your point, Andrew, is that there is, uh, he had come in and been a member and uh, at a very light level, um, a couple months here or there. And, uh, but it was an interview process. It was almost like a dating process uh, for us to uh, get to know each other and to see if it would actually work. And so there was, there was multiple interviews that we had that we sat down to make sure that we, that we were aligned. And then, you know, we had quite a few other things that were on the, on the floor that we had to work through. Now he's been here for, for three years now. Um, and it's, we now see him as a part of the, of our staff, like to where, when we have staff get togethers, he gets invited. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a newer thing um, with our, with our new staff, our previous staff didn't necessarily like him or appreciate him because they thought that there was a threat to that. Mm. Um, so a, 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 a competition among where the pool kind of lied. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I would say that like uh, coming from the Globo gym side, I was in the Globo gym uh, space for, uh, seven years before, you know, opening up our gym. And, you know, if, if you can't hunt, if you can't go out Mm -hmm. and and get your own food, then you don't deserve to be, you know, saying anything like you have to go out and and prove it. And, and that's the thing is that like, I want, I want those kind of people. I don't want people who are, um, you know, closed minded or even, you know, uh, fixed mindset, if you will, right? That like, oh, well, no, I need to, we need to have our own protective space. Like I'm not doing my job. If, if I go out and I'm not providing new people or new clients or, you know, people that need help uh, to my own staff and my staff should also be able to hunt and do that on their own. So if somebody finds his services more valuable because he did a better job, that's on me because he was, he was doing his, his job. So I, I think that there's two things that I want to kind of touch on to both of your points. And Andrew, you said something that really resonated with me um, and something that I, I do teach the people that I work with when they're like, how do I find a gym to go be a part of? If you just walk in there guns blazing saying, and I'm the best physical therapist or coach out there, and it's valuable for you to have me in your facility, you're not getting it, right? Like you're not going to get it. Um, but I literally teach them exactly what you said. If you have a gym that you want to be in, go support them, go become a member and pay to be a member. Don't expect it for free. Invest in the community that you want to become a part of and good things happen. Right. And then if you find that you don't jive, well, that was also a good investment to say like, Hey, I joined this gym for like six months and they weren't my people good thing you didn't sign a two-year lease then, mm-hmm. right? So I think that that's the big thing is like, when, when you're thinking about going into a facility, um, and, and, and Drew, I have described this actually as work dating, like you've got to go date, right? You've got to date the, the facility. You've got to date the vibe. You have to see where you fit in and you'll naturally feel where your energy is pulled to and where it's going to be a, a struggle for you. So I want to make sure that, that that is crystal clear that you can't just walk in and, and establish dominance in a space. The second thing that Drew said 
was this kind of this um, alluding to this aspect of external marketing. And I think that is a distinct characteristic of what starts to separate the, the way that the two, the, the physical therapist coming into a facility who's generating some revenue from the gym community versus the coach who's maybe only generating revenue from the gym community. And one thing that both of you have said to me is like, no offense to the coach, but initially they're coming to the facility. They're not coming for that coach. And, and that was like, I totally agree on that. So is part of this distinct factor that if I'm coming in as a coach or a personal trainer, I need to say, hey, look, part of why I need my deal structure the way that I need it is because I am going to go do external marketing. Does that change anything that, that you guys look for in a coach or trainer? I think that for me, it, it's a meritocracy and you earn it and it's fine if you like you can believe in yourself and that think that you're a, a great trainer and that you have uh 50, followers on instagram well you could have paid for those 50,000 followers on True. instagram you didn't necessarily do anything to acquire them um but i don't care like what you know how much you know like how great of a trainer it like prove it right um, because if you are worth your salt, you know, like come in, be an intern if, if need be. Right. And it's, it's, it goes back to that whole same thing with, with being a physical therapist, be a part of the community mm -hmm. first, make sure that this is a good landing spot for you. If you just want to have a, a place to go and train, there are now those gyms out there that you can rent from them straight up and that you're a part of, you know, 30 other trainers that are renting from that facility right. and going and doing that. Um, I think it's at least here in Pasadena, we have three different gyms that are that model. Um, so it's, it's a bit different. Um, and I, I believe in, in a meritocracy that like, I'll, I'll give, you know, if, if you're out there slinging and selling sessions from our members and you keep doing that, you're first up in line when I'm selling sessions to be divvied out to that person. It's the same way that I was brought up when I was a trainer um, because you get the best return of investment. You know, that that person is going to more than likely resign with them on another package. The, the thing that I'm, um, I guess trying to get a feel for is like, who is, who is this coach that we're talking about? Um, right. And, um, when I, when I think of a coach who's not a member, we don't have a relationship with us coming to me. My thought is like, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for the business? Sure. It feels mm -hmm. like a lot of risk for, you know, let's say this coach is going to pay a thousand dollars a month in rental space, $500 a month in rental space. That is not going to move the needle for our business at the size we're at. And it feels like there's a lot more downside than there is upside for us. And so when I think about the relationship we have with this physical therapist, as Drew's talking, I see a lot of, a lot of similarities. He's actually adding value to our business. And then he also has this, 
He, he brings in clients that are not a part of our business that, that we have nothing to do with that happen mm-hmm. to just see him here. Um, but there's that, that synergy there. So it has less to do with external marketing or not, and more about the, the synergy of the relationship. So, so for you, the risk tolerance doesn't come from the monetary aspect. It comes from the cultural fit. Let's, let's yeah. say that you did have a coach who was a good cultural fit. And again, we're playing hypotheticals here, right? But they said like, well, what, what is the number? Like, look, I know that there would be benefit for us being in the facility together, but you need to look out for you and your business. So do, so do I, you know, being straight up. And where does it shift to this point of opportunity cost for when somebody's roster does get full, like the risk of them leaving? Whereas or an existing coach. Or an existing asking. coach. Whereas if they're paying you rent, it's like, I know what the lost revenue is. It's maybe it's not a thousand bucks. Maybe it's two. You know, again, I don't know what that cutoff is for you, but let's assume that we've done the things culturally to align. And now we're, now we're actually just negotiating terms of how is this going to work? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's where I was thinking about these pay structures and how we've yeah. evolved it. It's like, and you brought this up and I never really thought about it in this exact way of this opportunity cost of the coach leaving. And even though these clients that the, the coach has in their book of business may be originated by us, this coach has earned the right to keep those clients. And they now over time resonate more with the coach than they do yeah. the business brand. And that, that dynamic shift, you have to be aware of, you have to be very realistic about. And so I'll present kind of how we've evolved and how we might be able to evolve further. We started out with a percentage-based pay. Coaches get 55%, the business gets 45%, you know, very common for the four-ninths model is, is another example. Over time, we, we kept that model, but we added a cap to it, mm-hmm. which is now the gym's cap is $40 a session. So a coach, we have rates that we charge. They start at $100 a session. You can get it down five bucks a session for 10, 20, and 30 packs. Um, but the coach... Once, if they're not the, if we're not the one selling it as a business, let's say they're re-upping for another 30 sessions, that coach now has the flexibility to charge above our rates. Okay. So our rates become the floor. They can't bait and switch. They can't, it can't be, Hey, I did the sales console as the gym owner. You're getting a 30 pack for 85 a session. And then they're like, they start working with them. They're like, no, you actually have to increase to hundred a session. Cause that's my rate. But what they can do is from session 31 to 60 they can charge their rate. So now we have some coaches that charge 120 a session and we only get 80 of it. And I imagine, because this is pretty new for us, that those coaches in a year or two will be charging 130, 140, 150 a session and we'll still be getting our same $40 a session on that. So now just, I, to, just to clarify there, you said, you said we only get 80. You mean the coach gets 80 and you get 40? Yeah, I said that, okay. said that wrong. Got they it, got they it. get 80, we get 40. Yeah, okay. so I said that in reverse. Now, I think the next evolution of it, because the thing that we see when you see these business costs add up, the coach as the W-2 employee, you pay so much in payroll taxes, they do as well. Right. And if this coach can evolve to now being 
an LLC and a 1099 because they've evolved to this next step. Well, now the gym and the coach can both save a ton of money from a tax perspective. And that relationship could, sh could shift to a rent payment instead of a per session payment, because mm -hmm. now the coach has a track record mm -hmm. that they could shift to a flat rate rent. So it's the next evolution of this Love it. Uh, flat rate. And I could see where this becomes the next evolution yeah. as a coach really grows within a facility. But all this requires a lot of patience and a lot of communication throughout. I, I Drew, I'll, I'll let you answer, but I want to just uh, hop in on what Andrew's talking about. That is literally the first layer of defense whenever I'm working with a coach who's like kind of stuck in that situation is like, hey, can we evolve this within your current facility? Because I think it's mutually beneficial, right? Like, I don't think the gym wants you to leave and I don't think you want to leave. I think contextually the environment and the, the terms are forcing you to make a decision that's not just staying, you know? So I'm really glad that you kind of brought that evolution process up and just to kind of put it at all the cards on the table, like that's what I'm, that's typically what I'm consulting on and offering is like, let's make this the least invasive option for everybody where it's win-win. Drew, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I love uh, that structure, Andrew. It's, it is, um, so when I, I was fortunate to, I've, I've worked at three different levels of, of fitness. Uh, you know, the division one strength coach level uh, where you, you make no money unless you're, you know, one of the big dogs, but you love it and you <laughs> think it's so great. And you know, you got all these new strength coaches yeah. like, oh, I wanna be a D1 coach. And I'm like, no, you don't. You make more money just doing what we do, trust no, me. No thanks, man. Uh, then I've been at the global gym level. Um, and that's why I have paid our staff the way that I have. Um, and, uh, you know, there's also, uh, because I want them to be able to have a career and not spend, you know, 40 hours a week training people on, on the floor. Like there, there needs to be like, it's, it's, you have to be, things really shift and change. And so you should be able to make money without having to, you know, grind, you know, so to speak. And then, but there's also that back to the meritocracy, like when you, when you earn that level, right. And you've been with our gym for a year and you're bringing in people from externally, or you've now had Jane rebuy four set, you know, four different packages from you. And they were all like 24, 48 sessions and, and beyond. At what point, right? Uh, and let's just say, like you're 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 selling ten grand a month in PT sales. At what point, you know, you as the as a business owner need to evolve. It's not the coach that needs to evolve. They yeah. work for you, and so as a leader, it is up to you to put a a system in place that says, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to reward you for this." And there should be a system and a tier that of like, "Hey." Uh, you have now reached master trainer level uh, here for pendulum, right? If I'm just using, you know, a mix of my two sure. worlds, uh, you are now a master trainer. So now what I'm going to allow you to do is set, like Andrew said, set the rate so that then they can 
be there, but there's, it's gotta be earned right at a certain, at a certain point. Um, because, you know, full transparency, I had two of my staff. One has been with me uh, since 2012 off and on. And then, uh, another one who'd been with me since 17, uh, leave and open up their own gym. Mm -hmm. And looking back on it, what could I have done differently that maybe that never needed, maybe that never happens if I had a better system or a structure in place that would evolve with them. So that's, I take that responsibility as a gym owner saying, Hey, maybe that was my fault that I could have seen this differently, be differently in the past, but you know, we don't, sometimes we just don't learn without having to go through that pain. Right. So, uh, and that forces our hand to make sure that we don't do that ever again. Well, there there's, there's two takeaways here from each of your points that I want to touch on. The first is like Andrew, kind of what you said, this roadmap or this evolution of terms and the beauty of kind of what we're discovering here is if we can lay that out up front, we take all the mystery away. And unfortunately, like there is this power imbalance that's kind of perceived between employer and employee. And we've got to allow the communication to happen without either side feeling threatened. So if we can, if we can lay out the terms of like, this is the progression and the interesting thing of this is I actually think this can be true with um, raising rates for memberships. If we can pre-frame that, hey, we can offer this price point for this term, but then at some point, like it can't be this ongoing price that you pay forever. You take all the anxiety away of like, well, how much is the gym going to raise prices this year? You know what, like, am I going to be offended by the fact that I feel like we entered this deal that was ongoing and now you're changing the terms. I get it. We've got businesses to run, but like that is literally the conversation going on in the person's head. So I love that. Drew, the point that you made is what we're kind of finding here is we attract in the fitness space, this very um, unique characteristic of an entrepreneur, where it's somebody who kind of has this business mindset that evolves within our facility. And you said something that was interesting where it was like, what could I have done differently? What if the answer was nothing? Like, I don't know. Um, I was recently at a, a conference and we were talking about this. We were talking about it in, in the cash PT realm. And this is kind of where my brain goes sometimes too, is like, if I'm bringing in clients externally for 60% of the revenue, my brain automatically goes, well, how many clients do I need to bring in for 100% of the revenue and just find somewhere to pay rent. Now, I don't know if that's how everybody's brain works in that process, but like it starts to decrease the risk and it starts to actually make staying at the facility seem like the rate limiter. So 
does that person simply make the switch from entrepreneur to entrepreneur when they kind of figure that out? I think that what comes down to these people is that you find the, the coach that loves, you know, they, they love coaching. They love, you know, like I want to own my own gym one day until they realize what it actually takes to own their own gym. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> right. Because the thing is, is that you had a gym owner who fed you and gave you, you know, and like, until you actually have, you're bringing in your own outside people, right? That then at that point, you, you earn the right to, to be able to say, Hey, I, I want to renegotiate terms here. But, but the thing is, is that I can tell you from eight years of our, of our gym um, and even the, the other seven years of, of working at 24 is that very rarely were people bringing in outside people. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. I think that's why it's a necessity, right? If, if you are going to try and renegotiate terms, you need to understand what, why you're doing that. You can't just say, hey, we're going to renegotiate terms because I feel like it's time to do that. Like there's got to be some legitimacy to it. And I think the, the thing with, with you two is you're open to that. And so is part of this just like spreading awareness that this problem exists within your facility, whether or not you, you recognize it or not. And you have the opportunity as a gym owner or as a manager to say like, you know, kind of like you had said, Andrew, like, oh, wow, I, I actually never thought of it that way. This, this is a liability. How can we get on the same page and say like, hey, what do you, what do you need? Here's what I need to feel safe in this relationship. What do you need? That's really what it comes down to, right? Is it safety for both parties? Uh, Drew, one thing I, one thing I just kind of want to ask there is like, would there have been an opportunity or were there discussions of like, Hey, what if you owned part of this facility? Yep. Yeah. We, we actually, so, um, when we were selling our business, uh, that the deal fell through. Um, but when we were doing that, that was actually, uh, we did present that option to say, Hey, you can stay and you can buy in. Cool. Um, and they they elected to to want to go and do their their own thing. And Is at that point, to? yeah, totally yeah. allowed to, right? I got my chance. So yeah. you know, um, you know. But the thing is, is that I think Andrew, I can't speak for you, but like I'm I'm a pretty open and autonomous boss. Um, that if if you can if you can help grow the business. And you can help and you know keep our, our culture and our community intact and uh, and help change lives and be a part of our team. It's it's pretty easy. You know, like it's it's a pretty easy thing. And you can make quite a bit of money. Sure. Um, not working a whole lot of hours. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, you guys have said so much stuff. My brain's like uh, <laughs> turning here. Um, but the thing that that hit me was like you know, we, we've struggled so much with, with trying to help connect the dots for coaches of 
how much else goes into this next step? Like I mentioned this evolution in pay from like, okay, you get a $40 flat fee to paying rent. The skills required for the coach to take that leap is more than just mm-hmm. fill out an LLC form on LegalZoom. You know, you have to, you have to learn the skill sets of an entrepreneur. And that's what Drew, Drew was talking about is it's so easy to do the, the simple math equation. Okay, I'm, I'm getting this, I'm getting 60%. Well, what would it look like if I get 100% and just pay rent? And the thing that I struggle with is like, it's not just pay rent. And I don't know how to communicate to that, that to the coach because the grass is always greener on the other side is, is often, you know, the way people look at it. And it's, it's not just rent, it's insurance, it's cleaning, it's equipment, it's, it's billing, it's taxes, it's all these things that go into it. You know, you, you as the gym owner, when someone pays me, pays us a $200 per month membership, like, I don't think of that as a $200 membership. I think of that as like a 20 buck profit margin. Like that's essentially what we get out of it at the end of the day. And so if there are coaches out there, um, understand that there's more to it than just this simple math equation. And, and also maybe what I'd want owners and coaches to do to take a step back and like, figure out like, what do you want out of your work? Like what type of work environment do you want? Because, you know, so much of being in our environments is to be a part of a team, to have the opportunities to learn and grow from others. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in like the percent that we're making and, um, and both sides, gym owners and coaches, and you lose sight of like the really awesome relationship that you have Mm -hmm. and how much you really love doing what you're doing. I think the the point that I would maybe push back on with the rent option is don't I kind of offload some of those responsibilities by paying the gym and saying like, look, like I know you have these expenses and that's why I want to pay you rent so that I don't have to deal with them. Like, isn't, isn't that kind of contextual to, like, it's different if I say, oh, well, I'm going to go get my own space. I'm going to furnish it. I'm going to um, buy all the equipment. I got to pay to maintain it. But can't some of that liability be, be bundled into what they're paying? And of course, you have to pay for insurance yourself. Of course, you have to pay for your softwares and things like that. The, the question I think that it really comes back to is like, something that you said is what's important to you? Um, Like, is it, so is it freedom? Is it opportunity? Like what are those personal characteristics? Yeah, I think um, it starts from a framework where the relationship is built on that mutual respect as opposed to the resentment side of things. So I think any of this can happen under a framework of, well, I'm, I'm paying you this. So I get that or, you know, and I think, I guess where I want people, where I want coaches to understand the expenses that a business undertakes that a freelancer doesn't take. Cause that's really what we're talking about is yeah. you go from a, a freelancer to a, an entrepreneur, the expenses that come from that leap is massive. Yes. Um, and so if, if coaches can't ever understand that, anything they pay the business will always come from a place of resentment 
as opposed to a place of mutual respect and what we're growing together. And I think what I could certainly use more tools of as a gym owner, I think I do a good job of, of trying to have these open and difficult conversations with our coaches as they grow and evolve. But I, I'd be honest, I, I could use better tools to do that um, to help get some of this stuff out there. So these unsaid things don't just lead to these resentments over time or these assumptions over, uh, over time about what, what that other person is really dealing with or the, the freedoms of a gym owner versus the freedoms of the coach. And I'm putting that in quotations because sometimes coaches will look at a gym owner who's coaching less classes as having more freedoms when that's not the case either. For sure. Well, I, I think, I think there's two things that I want to touch on there and then, and then Drew, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But one of the things that I think is, um, maybe a misconception is the wrong word, but understanding the liabilities that you undertake is contextual to how you set your business up. So for example, opening a gym has a lot of liabilities. It's got rent, it's got cleaning, it's got staff, it's got you know uh, liability insurance. It has all of these things. But I think that maybe um, some, like the way that I operate my business, I don't have a lot of those liabilities. So my profit margin is able to look disproportionately skewed because I, I can keep my overhead low, right? I run my business out of, out of my house. Um, of course, I have to pay for the things that I do within my business, but what are your, what are kind of your thoughts on that as like the, the headache only becomes as big as, as you want it to be. And secondly, doesn't resentment kind of go away when we are clear on what the expectations are on both parties? So here's, here's the thing that I would, I would say is that it comes down to the development of your staff and the culture of which that you are developing in-house. So that if, if, the, if it is a safe space, right, for that, that person to look at you as a mentor, as a leader, as their coach, as the developer, um, that they can share these things and be vulnerable with you, that's a pretty yeah. you know, impeccable, it's just an incredible relationship. And I think that those soft skills have to be developed when that person is brand new on a staff, right? So it can't be some you know, external person that's coming in and just paying rent right from the get-go. Once again, it's earned. So it is, and that is developed over time. And that starts with the soft skills, nurturing that relationship, um, creating, to quote Lululemon, job love, right? They do this exceptionally well how do you take somebody who's a retail employee, love what they do, you know, folding yoga pants, right? Like it's that they are loving what they do. It's because of they spend the time developing and working on soft skills with their employees. And so pouring into them outside of the gym. And, um, you know, we've, we've made our, our, our mistakes, but I can tell you that since coming back and rerunning things with a brand new staff, um, that we are investing more one-on-one -on -one time inside, like inside the gym, outside the gym development and all of this stuff so that we never have to have this conversation of, hey, we're out 
thank you for, or not thank you for whatever that, you know, the last hemp eight years I'm out. So it's not like now we're left at like, all right, well, we got to start this all over again. It's that it starts at the ground floor when they, when they are hired, it's the same thing as when a member gets started. Like what you said is that when that member gets started, their first experience at your gym from the sales process, from the, the, the filling out of the contract to then, you know, the, their check-ins they're like, what is that, that life cycle like for that client? so that they learn the processes. It's the same thing that we have to do for our, our staff is, is treating them and nurturing that relationship in a really, really impactful and powerful way so that we don't have to have that experience again. Because the truth is, is that if you were to break down the dollars and cents between being an employee and being a, a $1,000 contract, right, person, that they're probably there. And now that they have to pay their own taxes as a 1099, that 1099 or uh, their, their LLC or however that they decide to, to frame it may come out to be a wash when we're looking at dollars and cents, if they would have just stated as an employee straight up versus yeah, somebody like you, who's online. I think that's a good point, Drew, is like, we're, we're talking about like the 1% of trainers. Now, hopefully you're building your gym in a way that you have multiple 1% trainers after they've been with you four five, six years. So I do think it's something that like successful gyms really have to build into their model. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think you do have to get to a really high level where, as I mentioned, I think this only happens for us when someone's consistently charging 120 plus a session and has a full book of business like that's hard to get to for sure and you know so it's it's until that point you're really getting so many more benefits and you're probably going to make more money as an employee um just doing your thing in a business the the other the interesting thing that kind of both of you um alluded to is like your facility just may not be, and, and the way that you do business just may not be for the person looking for that setup. Mm -hmm. Like it, it yes. literally could be as simple as that. Um, and I think that that's important in when you're scouting locations, if you do want to, you know, have your own business that maybe you do need to find a gym that kind of has this, um, you know, barbershop model where it's, you rent a chair, and you go find your clients, you know, and, and maybe some people come by um, because they're walking by the facility and there's some location value. Uh, but ultimately, what I think we've got to here is, is, you know, there, there does need to be this eventual evolution because now we've, we've calculated the risk and for the business, there's risk of revenue loss for the coach there's risk of, you know, community loss, which I think that that is something that people need to consider is like, hey, if I leave this facility, I also leave the professional development that I get. I also leave the uh, relationships that I fostered. Like it's, it's really not a one-way street. And I think the takeaway here is, is being open to having that conversation and again, maybe I'm biased to the coaches that I start to work with because they, they do kind of gravitate that way. Um, but you guys can also be biased to, well, we have staff that have been around for 
eight plus years. Um, but that's why I think this conversation is cool. I think that's a really good point. I think, I think most, most trainers that just want to pay rent somewhere are not, are better off not coming to a gym like ours that's and, totally and probably fair. Drew's as well. And I think, I, I mean, one of our actually old coaches left last year and the, the gym he's working out of is more of this like personal training studio coaches co-op that, that looks yeah. like a functional fitness gym, but they don't do group classes. And I think, you know, look for that type of setup or maybe find a group of two or three other trainers in your area and create your own co-op um, yeah. where you guys share the rent expense um, yeah. on it, you know, because we're, we're so, we're so diligent, I guess is the way to say it in the hiring process of finding coaches that are really anchored in their love for group classes Yeah, that it's, it would be, it's very rare for a coach, even as they get successful to not want to have a connection still to the group class, both in coaching classes and taking classes themselves. And, and that's something that was unique to my model of physical therapy as well is, you know, the, you talk about this connection to the community, like that was my marketing, going to group class, letting people know what I did, letting people know how I could help. Um, I also had the opportunity to do that at other gyms because it wasn't really in this direct competition of like, oh, come personal train with me over at, you know, uh, Fit Town Jupiter, right? When I'm a member of Pendulum, uh, when I'm a coach at Pendulum Fitness, it, it, it wouldn't have that same feel because there is that threat. Um, but if you have your own space and the gym, let me ask you guys this. If your gym didn't do personal training, what would be different about that coach coming in with a little bit more of that, hey, like I want to build this within your facility because you don't have it? Hypothetical, but I think that that might actually be very common in what we see in, in you know, the group class environment. I think... Uh... <laughs> what we would see in those gyms is that that gym owner doesn't uh, not to be, I'll just say it. They don't make over $10,000 a month in their, in their model. And that they also uh, will hold on super tight to what they've got because they don't want to do the work of going out and trying to, to do that. So I don't think that that, that trainer is going to uh, do well in that space. And um because, you know, that gym owner thinks that they've got it all together, right? But they also don't want to go and do some of the work that would cause their business to grow, that would, you know, develop their staff. They, they, they run into a bunch of other problems that are more personal related mm -hmm. in their own development of their gym that um, is, not, is not a, like, because eventually what they would end up doing is that they'd get there and it's like this Netflix series of like, uh, uh, Netflix has this new documentary out there about having like the worst roommates ever, right? Oh, or whatever, yeah. the, the serial roommate. And it's like, so they get this trainer and this trainer and coach will have this awful relationship because eventually the gym owner is going to see on how much personal training is coming in. And then they will resent, like Andrew said, the resentment level begins to be this thing that is too large. It ends badly. And uh, I just, don't, I don't see it for your trainer that you're developing 
to have any success there. Um, so or, I, I, or maybe what you're saying is almost too much success, right? Where like, yes, it would yeah. be short term and, and the gym owner would be like, whoa, what the hell? And that's why I think that your terms would have to be really, really well thought out and be like, yeah, dude, I told you, you know? Um, and then it's like, well, what does that create? I think that the real thing there is what's the emotional maturity of both people. Yeah. Right. Like I, I told you this was going to happen. If you gave me the opportunity, I don't know where the um, surprise came from is, is how I would respond. It's just interesting. Yeah, I, think, I, I was just thinking it would have to happen in a gym that doesn't offer a lot of classes. And the relationship is, hey, we have a lot of open time where no one's here. And that is your time to work and personal train. So you're just, it, it's a, and then I would think the, the personal trainer would actually have to come in with an offer that sounds too, too high to refuse. Mm -hmm. um, like just doing rough math. Like if you're doing 30 sessions a week, uh, personal training and you let's say you're going to give the gym a $20 cut like half of what we take like that's 600 a week so like if a if a personal trainer came to a gym and said I'm going to offer you $2,000 a month and I'm only going to use this gym while you have no classes going on you have no revenue bringing it coming in I think that's a situation where if that gym, that personal trainer was successful the gym owner would still be really happy because they're like yeah that's 24 grand a year that might cover um, their that might cover their rent, right? That might right. literally alleviate, and and I think that this is really a, a good segue into like, what does the offer that you're bringing do for the person? Like, I think that that's a, an important distinction. It's it's not like we calculate so much about like what's good for us, what's valuable for us, but like also what's valuable to the person that you're pitching the deal to. Like, why should they expect it? If that was the situation, I came in and said, Andrew, I'm sure that you would love to have your rent paid for every month without having to worry about signing, you know, your retention being X, you might be like, tell me more. Because now I've, I've kind of value anchored my deal to literally solving a problem that exists for you that alleviates a headache. I think that's just a good tactic in general when you're talking in, in negotiating terms of like, what problem, and this is any sales convo, right? But what problem are you solving for that person and how are you going to solve it? And where I, think, where I think another crux of this conversation lies is a coach coming into a facility is typically looking to offset risk and what I would advise them on is like, you don't get that luxury if you're paying rent. Like you just straight up don't get that luxury. If mm -hmm. you want to go into somebody else's facility, you got to go and you got to make it. So don't expect all of the benefits of both sides of the argument when, you know, you want to eventually like propel yourself from an opportunity perspective. It, it, it doesn't work that way, right? It's, there's so much interesting nuance of, of the things that we've discussed. I think it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to share just this uh, unrelated example. Um, but 
it'll it'll maybe drive a point home, which is like right now I'm in the office in our gym and you probably can hear a little bit of the music in the background. And like, I do a lot of podcasting. You know, I do a lot of calls like this. And I would love to just have a really small office somewhere that I could record podcasts and that I could work out of, um, that I could just count on like not having to deal with other right. music going on. And that isn't that isn't as simple as it sounds on the surface. And I've looked at actual spaces in the area and that with the, the actual, you know, two year lease terms or one year lease terms that I would have to go through and the equipment I would buy the little bit of renovations, which would be super minimal. That's a $25,000 investment minimum that I'm committing to, to do that just to solve this really simple solution in my life. And you know, I take ownership of that, but sometimes coaches can reflect that back on other, you know, other gyms that they're not a part of the gym. They are a part of is like, well, why won't this person work with me in that sense? And it's like, you know, that's where I say it has to probably be in the range of 1500 to 2000 a month that you're going to, you're going to have to shell out at the mm -hmm. minimum to get anybody to really even listen to that. And to Drew's point, the ones who will take you up on it, are going to say yes because they're unsuccessful, but then they're going to resent you when you are successful in their facility. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're spot on with where that number needs to be for a coach. You know, I, I don't I don't think anybody expects to go in for five hundred to a thousand bucks and and get space. Um, I, I think that that's a really important distinction and. The other thing that I think is, is interesting is like everybody in the deal has the option to respectfully say no. And I think that we overlook that. Like I really do. I think that we are, we can tend to be like general sense, right? I'm not, I'm not speaking everybody, but we can, we can tend to be scarce minded in opportunity. And so we don't want to lose the one that's presented to us. So we say yes, not realizing that that's actually blocking us from the one that's, you know, two steps ahead. And so I don't know if anybody needs permission out there to say no, but like you have permission to say no. And if it doesn't feel right, if, if your gut tells you like, this isn't it, it's probably not it. Any closing thoughts? I feel like, I, man, I feel like we talked about kind of so much here. Any closing thoughts from you two? And then I'll wrap us up. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, nothing. It's, it's been fun, you know, just to uh, Andrew's point, like the, that 2K marker uh, for, for the space, um, that's actually the deal that I have with our chiropractor. Mm-hmm. 2k um I, I i think that um but it's also like our relationship that he feels like an extension of our business in a way and that we have no problem referring people to him and he has no problem referring people to us um and so it's you know it just it has to be this really there's there are other people that work with uh gym owners and uh and coaches out there and they they say that that this model shouldn't have like you shouldn't have a chiropractor or somebody like inside your facility because it takes away from the coaches and blah 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 
I, I disagree. Uh, I think that it can work. Um, it just yeah. has to be the right people, the right fit. And, um, uh, it's like anything, you know, like you, you have to do your legwork. You have to look, uh, through all of the angles and, and make sure that this is a, and is going to work or not work. And, and then, like you said, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to say, Hey, look, uh, our lease is ending. Um, let's, let's go find it somewhere else. Yeah. Right. You, you've got to understand the journey and the ecosystem, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what I'll, what I'll wrap us with is you have to understand the ecosystem that you're walking into and you, and if the gym owner doesn't see how you fit, it becomes your responsibility to paint the picture of how you would. And they may still say, yeah, that doesn't work for me. But just to kind of summarize these things, like the, the topics that we hit on were external marketing. If you're going to go into anyone's facility with this opportunity to pay rent, you have to have that skill set. Culture fit. If that deal doesn't fit the culture of the gym, it's never going to work. Risk tolerance. And I think this goes both ways of the gym owners and the employers understanding the risk of that person leaving and also you understanding the risk that you need to absorb if you're going to start doing on this own, on your own. Evolution of terms and kind of how that lays out in the roadmap. And then really this, this mindset of entrepreneur versus entrepreneur versus employee um, and what's important to you and how can you make hiring decisions knowing those three things exist? And how can you make deals knowing which one you are? So Andrew, Drew, thank you both for joining me. Uh, I'll make sure that all of our contact info is wherever we decide to post this for whoever decides to watch. But hopefully it sparks some conversation. I think that was the goal, right? Let's just, let's get everybody thinking uh, about how we can make this, you know, win for everyone. So thank you both. Thank you, Ray. Thank you.